Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! with you on a Thursday morning. I'm almost back to normal. I'm almost there. We hopefully won't have much more of that. we got a good show lined up for you today. We're going to talk in the second half of the show about how Reggie Perry made the second half of our show yesterday completely obsolete. Uh, but first, before we get into all that, and of course we're going to talk baseball in the first half of the show, but we would like to thank you guys for listening, however you're listening to us, wherever you're listening from, especially our great service men and women out there. We want to thank our sponsor at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You're going to be headed to Starkville this weekend. You want to cool off. I mean, it's that's going to be perfect. You get out of that, that noon game around 3 o'clock, it's, it's, you've been sweating, you, 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 you don't have a lot left to give, go treat yourself to some delicious Churn and Spoon ice cream or a frozen hot chocolate or one of the ice drinks they have over at Strange Brew. You'll be feeling a lot better once that's done. All right. We got a, we got a good show today, I think. We got a good topic. For baseball. I don't like when you say we have a good show today because... Puts pressure on? Well, no, my opinion is every show we've ever done is good. Some are better than others. Well, I agree. Okay. But, yeah. Well, you know, I'm just saying. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to set expectations and not even <laughs> deliver on them, so... <laughs> We're going to talk about pressure, though, on today's show because you look at last year and this team had no pressure going into the postseason. They they knew that a they they knew that they were getting a new coach. Uh, nobody had any expectations of them. I mean, aside from they're probably going to go two and Q. Um, there was no there was nobody pinning their hopes on a long run through the postseason, especially not to Omaha. And that's exactly what happened this year. You know, it's sort of a, a flip flop. This team has expectations. Team they, this team is expected to make it to Omaha. I guess I'll start with the big picture question: If they don't make it to Omaha. Will that not be a success? Will the season not be a success? It's tough to say that, especially if you win your regional. Mm-hmm. You know, you're one of the 16 teams left standing in the country and you make it a super. It's tough to say that that's a failure. But after what this team did last year, and after for most of the year you know, being in the top 10 this year, and now you're a national seed, I don't think I'm going too far outside the the realm here to say yes. If this team doesn't make it to Omaha, it's a failure, and and I think that if you put Jake Mangum in this chair, mm-hmm. oh, he tell you, I think he'd say the same thing. I, I think he would tell you anything short of Omaha would absolutely be a failure. It's sort of interesting to me the difference in perception from basketball to baseball. Because if a top ten team makes the Sweet Sixteen, most people would be like, well, that was a pretty good season. But you make you just make the super regional, which is the Sweet Sixteen of college baseball, and you get people. You know, eh, it was a little bit disappointing. Well, I think in most instances, people are not disappointed with the super regional appearance. Okay, I, I'm I'm applying this strictly to this year's Mississippi State team. This year, in the past, uh, you know. I think 16 for Mississippi State with as good as that team was that, that won the SEC mm-hmm. that was so dominant for most of the year, say for one series against Texas A&M. I think it was a disappointment that year to not make it to Omaha. I darn sure don't think that in 17, you know, when that team made it to a Super Regional with no pitching. They overachieved. Yeah, I, I think a Super Regional was an outstanding accomplishment. Um, I think last year a Super Regional, had it, had it all ended in Nashville, that would have been just fine. That would have been an outstanding accomplishment mm-hmm. for that team. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it is a year by year deal mm-hmm. based upon your your talent level and your expectations and 
And when you have a club, especially like for a Mississippi State team that has never won a national championship, for it to end short of Omaha this year when you have one of the better teams that you've ever had in school history, it would it would hurt, you know. It, it would be a situation where it would absolutely be considered a disappointment if it does not end in Omaha, Nebraska. Did this team overachieve this year? They were predicted six in the West by the coaches. I think they were a preseason top twenty team, and here they are, number three, number four in the country, depending on where you look. Have they overachieved to this point? I'll be honest with you; they've overachieved my expectations. Now, I thought they'd be good. I don't don't misunderstand where I'm going with that. But coming into this year, I think if you go back and pull up one of the old Thunder and Lightning podcasts around, you know, the first week or so of February, we were talking about what the season could be. I bannered around a couple of times, you know, is Mississippi was Mississippi State, this year's Mississippi State team, going to be more of the, the team that played most of the regular season last year? Or were they going to be more of the team that got hot towards the end of the year and kept beating top ten teams and that, that you know, rode the Elijah McNamee walk-off in Tallahassee to Omaha. You know, which team was the real Bulldogs? I didn't know that coming into this year for sure that this team was going to be the the elite bunch that we saw towards the end of last year. I didn't know if that was just lightning in a bottle or what it was. So I I had to see first. So coming into this year, I was a little unsure about this team. Now, again, I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd, you know, easily make a regional. Um... I don't know that I saw 100% for sure coming into this year national seed because there were so many variables. Yeah, you thought Ethan Small would be okay, but JT Ginn was still a freshman. You know, did, how was that rotation going to look on, on the weekend? Um, you know, how how were those sophomores, you know, the, the Rowdy Jordans and the Tanner Allens and the Jordan Westbergs, and how was that class going to react to being heavily, heavily counted on for a full season, which I know Rowdy and Tanner were last year, but but Westy wasn't counted on all of last year. Foskey wasn't counted on every single game last year. Um, how are those guys going to react to that? And, and I was not sold that this team coming into the year was going to be a national seed caliber team. Uh, I thought it'd be a, a regional caliber team and, and just see where it goes from there. But So I think for me... Did they overachieve a little bit? I think so, a little bit. First-year head coach, too. Um, you know, there's some things that go along with that. But at this point, I think this team just expects to have a new coach every year. So, uh, you know, <laughs> go right over that. But, but yeah, for me personally, the, the, the fact that they were dominant, and I think as we sit here today and talk, tied for the, I want to say, fifth or sixth best – Regular or maybe second. I I don't know. This was one of the better regular seasons yeah. ever. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I didn't see that coming. Um, so I, yeah, I think for me personally, a little bit overachieved. It's it's interesting to hear your thoughts on that because for me, this team is about where I thought they would be. Now I don't know if I thought they would be forty six and thirteen, but I thought they'd be a, a, a team that would challenge for a national seed and would host a regional. Just because I, I knew what they were bringing back, I had faith in Small, and again, being a first round pick, I mean. I had to believe he was talented enough to do this. Now, you know, he's been a little bit better than I thought. And they, they knew they had to find a third starter, but they did that. And, you know, they had to find some new arms in the bullpen. You know, I didn't see Lee Belt coming out of nowhere the way that he did. But I knew from a, an offensive perspective that what you had with Mangum, Westberg, McNamee, Foscue, Allen, Jordan, Skelton, you know, you had hitters there. So I. You know, see, the, the I, team's I, better than I thought it was going to be. So I guess they've overachieved, but not—I don't think they've overachieved in my eyes as much as they have in yours. I, I think you're, but see, I didn't. And, and again, I'm not trying to downgrade what these guys are. They turn out to be 
a lot better than I thought they'd be. But like Justin Foscue and Dustin Skelton, I didn't see them becoming the offensive, the humongous offensive pieces they've been. That's not to say that I thought they were going to stink. But Justin Foscue's out here ripping homers every other game. Mm-hmm. Skelton's in double-digit homers. Both of them have been huge offensive pieces for this team. Um, I don't know that I saw them playing a, a as big of a role offensively as they have. I mean, I remember last year we were sitting in Tallahassee, and I think Dustin Skelton hit a couple of homers in that little crackerjack ballpark down you know to right field. And, yeah. And everybody's kind of like, whoa, Dustin Skelton's hitting homers. Ha, 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 And now this year he's got double-digit homers. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it was a big deal. That, no one really saw him being this power hitter. Yeah. And yet that's exactly kind of what he's become. And, and of course, Foscue, I don't know that coming into this year anybody would have predicted Justin Foscue, maybe some people on the team that have seen, you know, fall ball practices and stuff. But I don't think if you did a poll of the Mississippi State fan base that anyone would have said Justin Foscue was going to lead the club in homers. I mean, right. that, that poll would have been won by – McNamee probably if yeah you, I would think so. if you had to and who's sitting there at six homers and Foskey's got what 14 yeah I mean it's <laughs> he's more than doubled him and uh so there have been some individual performances that yeah I thought these guys were good players but they've turned out to be great players and uh so I don't know that that's why for me and I'm not saying that they tremendously out jumped what I thought but I think a little bit that they did yeah so let's look at this regional here and, and talk like we said at the beginning of this that you know the team last year no pressure on them whatsoever. A lot of pressure on this year's team. Has this team faced pressure situations this year? Not many. You know, I, I think – I'm, I'm just trying to think. Game three against LSU here in Starkville, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to win that series. Yeah, you wanted to win it, but it, is that – I mean, when I think of pressure, I think of if you lose this game mm-hmm. or the results, something that's just absolutely brutal, you know. Right. and. And, yeah, you want to, but it's not like you can't lose that LSU series and then flush it right. like they did. Right. So I don't – going to Oxford, I think, maybe. I mean, the best example maybe of a little bit of pressure because you want to go in there and play well, um, which obviously they did. Right. Um, I, I'm just trying to think of – Well, then how will this team react to real pressure this weekend? Though? Well, I think fine. because Well, I don't know because, like you said, last year – they were kind of the the epitome of a bunch that just had nothing to lose, you know. Um, this year, like I just said, I think if you fall short of Omaha, it's a disappointment. So, I mean, you do. You kind of have everything to lose a little bit. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe as the season has worn on and they were playing for a national seed a little bit, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that this has happened at, at all, but if, if you want to – assign blame or something to maybe some of the struggles of a Westberg or or something like that, trying to do a little too much to make sure you get that national seed, which they got, you know. Uh, Mangum, I don't really see him as one that would fold to pressure, but if you just want to assign reason for it, I mean, the draft's coming up. Would that have something to do with him here towards the end of his his senior season playing a little – tight or something i don't I, I don't know that any of those things are actually the case but i'm just trying to, to think of things that would put pressure on this team and, and how have they responded to it um i don't really i think the the general answer to your question is no i, I don't think that they face just a ton of, of pressure or adversity all year long that said this team as a whole Westberg and Mangum and, and those guys over the course of the last two years, this program has faced adversity. You know, I mean, when you think of 
of the Cannizzaro situation. And when you think of last year, everybody had written them off. They could have folded shop and just focused on coming to the ballpark and then who who were they going to date on Friday? You know, that, that could have been their focus last year. And yet they put their nose to the grindstone and came out and made it to Omaha last year. I think that as a as a group, this club is is well accustomed to adversity. There there were some guys on the team that had no pitching a couple of years ago, and they just kept grinding and grinding through that adversity to to win. So I think as a group, this club has faced adversity and pressure and excelled in it. This season as a whole, though, for this season, there hadn't been a ton of pressure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and part of that's because they've been so darn good. You know, I mean, when you come out. And you don't lose a non-conference game, or excuse me, a midweek game. You only lose one non-conference game, and and you win eight of your ten SEC series. They're just from week to week when you start banking wins like this club did. It becomes very apparent early on that you're destined basically to be a national seed. I mean, when you think of the projections for this team going back er, since early on, basically they've been projected to be a national seed. Right. I mean, and. There has been not much of anything to kind of shake that. Uh, maybe the sweep at Arkansas a little bit kind of shook it. Maybe the loss, the series lost to LSU kind of shook it a little bit. But other than that, I mean, those are the ad- adverse moments of the year, and they bounced right back. Mm-hmm. So when the team has been under that scrutiny and that pressure, they have responded immediately. I think after the Arkansas game, they won like 13 of their next 14. Mm-hmm. After the LSU series, I think they won eight of their next nine or something like that. So – the times if you that you want to look at and say, oh, here's where they face pressure. Well, they they bounce right out of it. So, and we've talked a, a, a bunch of times about mental toughness and how much this team has. So, this is a team that even if something goes wrong and they they lose on Saturday, you're never going to count them out from anything. No, I I saw firsthand what happened last year. You know, I will never with this bunch of bulldogs and it's basically give or take the same team that you had a year ago. I'm not counting them out until they're out. <laughs> I mean, um, to, to overcome everything they did a year ago um, from the off-the-field stuff to the on-the-field stuff to losing the first game 20-10 to 10 in Tallahassee and trailing 2 nothing in the bottom of the ninth, your season's down to the last strike, and then to then rip through the rest of that Tallahassee regional and, and rip through Vandy and, and get to Omaha. No, you're right. I mean, this is a team I will never – count out until they're done until out number three of the second loss of either the regional or super or omaha or wherever that is mm-hmm. uh, you don't talk about resiliency that's what i think of when i think of this core group of bulldogs is they're just they're a resilient bunch and i think when you when you combine that resiliency with the talent level on this team it's why you see the aaron fitz and the kendall rogers and those people kind of picking state to win the national title i mean there's a darn good reason for it, and they, I think they have the mental capability and the physical capability to get it done. We'll see if it comes to fruition. How much does having a coach like Lamonis, who, from my dealings with him and your dealings with him, he just seems very chill all the time. Like he, you, you never too high or too low. We've seen him get upset. He got upset in the SEC tournament after that illegal pitch was called on. But for the most part, he has just been pretty, pretty chill. How much does that help to have a coach like that? That you know. The highs and lows don't seem to get to him at all. I think that is that's kind of the backbone of it. Now, I think they also have a center fielder that doesn't get too high and too that's low, true. which helps too. Who, you know, when you couple your head coach doing that with the team leader doing that, I mean, those are the examples you follow. And and when you see everybody kind of doing that, then I think it's easy too. But yeah, I think that it's crucial. Um, you know, me and my Braves fandom just ask 
those Braves teams through the 90s and things, what was one of the main keys to their success. And they'll tell you that when you showed up at the ballpark and Bobby Cox was sitting there in the manager's room, you wouldn't know from talking to him if you were on a 10-game winning streak or a 10-game losing streak. And I feel a little bit like, not to say that Chris Limonis is a Hall of Fame manager, mm-hmm. um, but I feel a little bit like uh, that's kind of the personality he exudes. You know, we talk to him in post games and things like that. I haven't gotten the impression that he's been too emotional one way or, or the other after wins or losses, and, and that's not exactly normal, folks. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, we've we've dealt with some John Cohen post game pressers before. You know, if John won or lost, I assure yeah. you, yeah. after the game, you know, he, he's an emotional guy. I think he would tell you that himself. Uh, even Andy, to an extent, I mean, he would talk after games, but you could just kind of tell win or loss, like. Um, Gary was a little bit like that too, maybe not as much. But but to me, Lamonis, if you just listen to tone, don't listen to the words coming out of the mouth. A lot of times, post game pressers and and things going in, you don't know if he won or lost. And, and and I think that that probably carries on into the, you know, the message that he sends to his team. I, I I'm like you, I get the impression he is cool, calm, and collected under all circumstances. I don't think he's going to panic if State is to lose a game somewhere along this tournament run. And yeah, you know. If, if the guy that's that's uh, the captain of your ship's not freaking out, then then you know the people on board aren't exactly freaking out either. So I, I think that that that's a humongous piece and and a, and a big benefit to things in state's favor. And I, I think that Lamonis personally, I think he should get some national coach of the year consideration. I don't know that he will, but just my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I thought he should have been the SEC coach of the year over Corbin. To be yeah, totally honest with you, I do too. So all right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to talk about postseason and pressure with this team because last year they didn't face any. They didn't face any the whole time. They they everything they got after McNamee's home run was gravy, and now you know they, they, they it's it's reversed and people have these expectations of them. So we'll see how they handle them. But I'm with you in that. I think they'll handle them uh, pretty easily and pretty pretty well. And we'll see if they can make you know when, when you get to the super regional round. Obviously anything can happen. Anything can happen on the regional round too. But you feel pretty good about this team, at least making it to next weekend, and then you just have to see what happens against a good Sanford team in all likelihood. Yeah, and the thing is, too, if this club gets to Omaha, just think about it, man. You have – even the sophomores on this team will be an Omaha-experienced group. You yeah. know, they're really the only the only contributor to uh, – you know, State gets to Omaha in the College World Series, the only contributor that will take the field – that you're really counting on to do something in Omaha that hadn't played in Omaha is JT Ginn. Yeah. Well, I say that. I guess Peyton didn't play in Omaha last year because no. of his situation. Right. But but he's played postseason baseball. But he's played postseason baseball, and he was, you know, I, I kind of feel like he was on last year's team, even though he wasn't on last year's right. team a little bit. But um, so so I, I get you, you just look around that lineup and, and just about, I mean, Gunnar Halter wasn't around. I mean, I know you can pick out guys here yeah. and there, but by and large, this whole team, regardless of how old or young they are, they have Omaha experience. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. You know, just you've been there, you've, you know, you've breathed those deep breaths and you're not hyperventilating when you step in the batter's box and on the grandest stage in college baseball. I mean, I tell you, buddy, the intangibles, everything about this club says they're going to have a really good shot. And, and I guess that, goes to the to the uh i guess the backbone of this argument we've been talking about is is just all those things seem to paint a picture of a team's got a chance to win a national championship and does that pressure get to them i I don't know we'll we'll find out starting friday yep all right so yesterday on the show 
Uh, Joel and I went on about a, the 10, 12 minute talk about Reggie Perry and what would happen if he came back. And then I, you know, I put the po- the podcast was up. So if you listen to it before like nine o'clock last night, you you got the full experience. But after that, Reggie Perry decided he wanted to make our podcast sort of half obsolete. Uh, he made his decision. He will return to Mississippi State. That is big news for Ben Hallen, big news for Mississippi State basketball. Um, I never got the impression, we talked about this yesterday, that he was going to go. But boy, did he he kept it pretty close to the vest. Uh, I talked to an MSU spokesperson yesterday. And when I say yesterday, I mean uh, the 28th, I guess. And they said, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And this was you know maybe four or five hours before he made his decision. So he kept it pretty close to the chest. Do you think there was ever a if he, was there a point where the barometer swung where he you thought he might leave in this whole process? <laughs> For me, no. But uh, credit to uh, one of our colleagues on the beat, Tyler Horka. Uh, he he wrote a little piece for his uh media organization down in jackson who uh never heard of him <laughs> uh you know he, he taught reggie and and reggie uh told tyler in that in that piece that he was kind of 50 50 on it which, which i'm surprised by i am too um so and i don't know how much of that is just him trying to play it up and play the drama yeah because looking at like i said looking at mock drafts and talk, he could not have been getting feedback that they they were considering that there was a team considering making him a first round pick, and I don't you know if you're a a, a freshman leaving early to be a second round pick, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can buy into that. So just that that, that was a, I saw that comment. It's, it's interesting to say the least. But for MSU basketball now, this is sort of the die is cast uh, for next season. I, I think the the recruiting is over. There had been some talk that that Howland might be looking to bring in one more player, sort of a front court player, because when you look ahead to next year. Perry is probably going to be gone at yeah, that point. You, no got, you got to replace him with somebody. Did you see what uh, Tyler wrote as well about what the scouts told him and things? Their concern was something that you mentioned, I think, on yesterday's show. shot. Jump shooting and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to be – today's NBA, the, the day of you know the back to the basket, play down low and not really move, that guy is done. He doesn't exist anymore, very rarely. And if it does, you got to be a seven-footer, which Reggie is not. At his size, at 6'9", 6'10", you have to be able to go out on the perimeter and 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 shoot the three. And then that's not saying you got to be Kevin Durant. You don't have to be a guy shooting forty percent from it. But you got to be able to, when you're open, make that shot. And you got to be able to extend defenses. Space, space, space is what the NBA is about now. Playing in space, creating space for shooters. And if you've got somebody who's just down low, that, that guy doesn't play in the NBA anymore. Carl Malone and Charles Barkley, and Barkley's not a really good example because he could go out on the perimeter. But you know, Malone. Um, I'm trying to think of some other power forwards. It just doesn't work anymore in today's NBA. So, so for Perry, yeah, I had a feeling that was going to be the the feedback he got from the uh, the draft. Now the question becomes, you know, he's got a few months to work on it, obviously, but does he let that overtake his game? Yeah, does that change the type of player? he Because is? Reggie Perry working on his NBA game is not Reggie Perry helping Mississippi State win basketball games. Yeah, they need him down low, and then when he has open looks, when he has a chance to shoot, take it. Yeah. Hey, I get that, but for the most part, state you know college basketball is different. They want him on the low block. They want him playing on the post and letting the offense sort of go through him and then come back out to Nick Weatherspoon, to Tyson Carter, to DJ Stewart, who I think is going to be a big shooter for MSU next year, or maybe Robert Woodard to an extent. Um, but I like this team for next year. I do. I, you know, I, 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 you've got five guys. I, I did the numbers last night. Five guys who started at least ten games last year, and that's. I mean, that, 
that's pretty good yeah. you know, when you consider what everybody else is bringing back. This isn't an apples-to-apples comparison, I don't guess, but I kind of think of Reggie and, and him coming back, and apparently they want him to work on his jump shot and things like that. Will it change the way State plays a little bit if he does that that kind of stuff? I I kind of think a little bit back to Dak in that 15 team, mm-hmm. how Mullen basically kind of changed, changed the his offense, offense. Yeah. to make him more of a passer. I don't see Howland changing you know the offense and, and selling, telling Reggie to you know get out there on the perimeter. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I won't be surprised if they design a couple of plays here and there to get him an open look from you know from for a jump shot and see if he can get it. And one of those things, one of the beauties of basketball is you have these non-conference games at the beginning of the year where you can sort of test that stuff out. And if you're hitting those shots, you keep going to them. But if he's not, then you get away from them. You know, you have and you have you have some teams that you're going to be able to beat just by showing up on the court early in the season. Now, I I haven't seen MSU schedule for next year. I think it's going to be really tough because you're not as good as you were a season ago. But you you so you need to be able to rely on your non-conference strength of schedule to carry you. Into the NCAA tournament. You're probably not going to – what did they win in the, in the regular season last year? 23, I guess? 23, 24 games, something like that? Something like that. Probably not going to win that. You might, might win 20 this year. Maybe win 19. But you need to have that, you know, mid-30s net to keep you in this, the discussion. I won't be surprised if this 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 schedule is very, very tough. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, win or lose – it'll be sort of like similar to what happened to Florida last year. You know, Florida lost a lot of games, but they played good teams – and the committee recognized that gave them a, a tournament berth. It's just that's a, that's what I expect for MSU. I don't know that you know they're obviously not going to work out a home and home with Michigan State or, or or Kansas or anything like that. They will be a part of the Big Twelve Challenge this year. I don't know if they've announced who State's playing yet, but um, they they are a part of that. Uh, and they expect that to be a road game. I think is what Howland told us when we met with them a, a couple of months ago. Um, they're in that tournament out there in in uh, is it in Hilton Head? Or, so. or or Myrtle Beach or something. It's, it's in the Carolinas where, you know, they're, they're out there. I think Villanova is in that tournament and a few others. So they got some opportunities there for some, some good non-conference games. But Reggie Perry's decision, big time, to, to come back to Mississippi State. And, he, and State needed that to happen, and, and it did. One more thing we're going to talk about today, because uh, tomorrow's show will be all baseball preview. Uh, this weekend, and I did not realize this until a couple of days ago, uh, the top dog camp is this weekend at Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, the big recruiting camp where they'll have all their elite prospects very early. This is normally like a uh, late June, late June, early July yeah, kind of camp in the past. And my my only thought on that is, and I don't know where the people, but maybe this was an opportunity where you were the premier camp happening this weekend. You know, you're not competing with Alabama and LSU and trying to get. This was an opportunity, maybe it was for state, and you got to you know. Inter- it's an interesting, you know, weekend on campus because you got the, the regional, you got the regional going there, on. There's some of that. I, I was talking to some of our. Uh, maybe you bring in you bring in recruits by the baseball stadium. Like, look at yeah, this. Yeah, maybe you know? so. But yeah, I was talking to some of our guys that cover recruiting and things, colleagues on the beat and stuff, and and I don't know who they've talked to, and and so I don't know how much of this is their opinion and how much of this is coaches talking. But by the end of the summer, when this thing usually is, you know, big dog in the past was what it was called. Of course, now it's top dog, but. Like, guys are so camped out at that point. Like, it's later in the summer. They've been to numerous camps and things like that. This kind of puts it a little bit earlier, so they're a little more eager yeah. kind of deal. And so that was part of it, at least from talking to some of those guys, what okay. they said. But. That's, well, that's, that's good points then. So, uh, as far as commitments go, uh, from what I was reading on 24-7, they don't, they don't know really what to expect. State, they, they, State has enough commitments right now. That if you gave out, you know, think about a few years ago when they had like seven or eight on this night. 
if you go that, then you've basically filled up before the season starts. And that leaves you no wiggle room as far as, you know, if somebody jumps up or somebody you know, takes a step back or something like that. So I, I would imagine you'd get a couple of kids probably in the boat, maybe one or two. But I'm, I'm not expecting. I think that, that 2015 class where basically half the class <laughs> committed in one night and you sort of got Leo Lewis in the boat, even if, even if you didn't know it at the time, and certainly some boosters from other schools didn't know it at the time. But for, for me, this is going to be a, a little, you know, a little, a little less drama but I expect a couple of kids to talk about, you know, make make a commitment. If that happens, obviously we'll uh, we'll talk about it on Monday when we'll also have plenty of baseball, plenty of baseball to talk about. And as at well. least the possibility that that regional won't be over yet next time. We, possible. So we'll, we'll see. Very possible. So uh, that said, yeah, we got we got a late night on Sunday because that's quite all right, Brian. We'll, I'm up for it. We have, we'll be there. So all right, but we are back tomorrow. Don't forget about that. We will preview this regional in full. Mississippi State versus Southern. Hopefully by then we'll have an idea of the pitching rotations. Uh, we should know who's on the mound for both teams on Friday between MSU and Southern. And Might know if McNamee's in the lineup or not. Should know that as well. Press conference is at what time? I think State is right around 11, maybe 11. 11.30. Okay, I won't be there. Joel will be there. I'll follow him on Twitter if you're not already at Joel T. Coleman. And uh, he'll get you taken care of. All right. For Joel T., Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.